All right, God's generosity. Um, James 1.17, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Uh, we serve a generous God. And uh, this morning we're going to talk a bit about that. And actually, um, I want to spend the first few minutes helping us get, just develop an idea of just how generous God really is. And then um, the second part, I'd like to spend quite a bit of time talking about what our response needs to be to that. Um, uh, There's different facets of God's generosity. And um, bear with me here. Um, I am not the PowerPoint pro, so I just put everything on one slide. But my wife is going to teach me how to do point by point, and then it will look really cool and it will phase in. They'll say, his creation. So uh, thanks for your patience with me. Um, um, God generously gives us his creation. I remember um, last week Benji spoke, and he shared a verse, Psalm 33, 5. The earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. Um, everywhere we look in the earth, it, it, to me it just testifies to his um, abounding generosity. Um, if you think of the universe, just the fact that God created... Uh, the entire universe, and um, he created it for us, everything that's out there. Um, I mean, he created it for his glory, but he created it for our enjoyment. Um, it's interesting. This is kind of weird, but I, on occasion I've talked with, uh, with um, believers who have wondered, oh, is there life on other planets? And um, it's kind of a funny question to me, but I, I guess I just get those questions because that's the crowd I run with or something. But... Um, you know, I, we're thinking about that, and, I, and in my mind, I was thinking, well, no, I, I don't think there is. I mean, the scripture certainly doesn't point to that, but um, the cool thing about that is, um, I mean, you, you think this vast empty space, tons of stars, planets, I mean, we, we've only been able to see out so far, and yet... Um, we, we read in Genesis that God created that and then he created the things that are on earth here and the plant life and the animal life and then he created man. Um, and it's amazing to me to think that God created these huge stars like we saw in the video the other week um, and that yet for us, they just appear as little specks in the night sky. These massive, massive creations just so we can look at a starry night sky and say, wow, that's beautiful. That's really nice. Um, Man, God goes to great lengths for our enjoyment. Um, also, uh, then we think of animal life and other aspects of his creation. Um, well, I put his creation on there twice. I'll get to that later. A- animal life uh, is another aspect of his creation. And um, When I was young, my brother Ben and I started collecting butterflies. That was our hobby. And... Um, and my mom made a really cool butterfly net. She took this huge fishing net. The thing was massive. And she took the fishing net off, and then she got this really light uh, sort of silky net and, and uh, made this long uh, net on there so that we could catch butterflies. And that was our hobby. And, man, we, we loved catching butterflies. I mean, sometimes mom and dad would uh, pull off to the side of the road because we'd be in a state park. We're like, look, look, it's a tiger swallowtail. you got to pull over. They pull over, we'd pull out the butterfly and I'd spend 10 minutes trying to get that thing. And uh, mom and dad are real gracious in that respect. 
But um, butterflies are absolutely beautiful. Um, I don't collect them anymore, but every time I see them, they're just, uh, you know, and I hope I'm not making myself a girly man by saying that I like <laughs> butterflies, but they're just gorgeous. They're like little mini masterpieces that, uh, I mean, you, you couldn't paint something that beautiful. And here do, here's these little things that are alive, but just gorgeous. They're like little flying pictures. Um, I even brought in some pictures just to show you. Um, this one up here is, uh, I think it's a, um, what's it called? A Diana flittillary. Um, just gorgeous black with like kind of uh, not, not luminescent, like reflective blue streaks. This one over here is a black swallowtail. Um, this is a tiger swallowtail on the bottom left. And then those, of course, are monarchs. A um, couple others here. This, one, this is probably my favorite, and I can't remember what it's called now. It's like a great speckled flittillary or something. Gorgeous, gorgeous butterfly. It's like orange and black with these specks that look white. They're actually um, like silver. They're, uh, they're kind of shiny. And then this guy here, that's a zebra swallowtail, and that was the one butterfly we were never able to catch. We saw a couple, but they always evaded us. I guess they knew we were coming. Um, just a gorgeous butterfly. Um, anyways, that's just one aspect of, of uh, God's animal life, his uh, generosity towards us in that. Um, and those are just North American ones. Oh, I skipped to the fish. Stay on the butterflies. Um, the, uh, you go to South America, and the butterflies are even more fantastic. Just humongous butterflies that are kind of that luminescent look to them. Just gorgeous. Um, um, also, birds. I mean, I know there's some bird lovers out there, and I was just uh, meeting with Grandpa Leverance the other Tuesday, and while I was at the door, I looked behind me, and it's all green out there, and all of a sudden I see this flash of bright blue, and I was like, what in the world is that? And it landed on a branch, just this gorgeous blue jay. And, um, I mean, I, I am starting to feel like a girly man. I'm talking about birds and butterflies. <laughs> but I think, you know, I think when you're more spiritual, you just appreciate God's creation more. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, car, I remember uh, my uh, grandma and grandpa's house in St. Louis, Missouri. They had a bird feeder right outside the window. And uh, y once in a while, you'd get a, uh, a male cardinal that would perch up there. Absolutely gorgeous. Just bright, bright red uh, bird. And then, uh, you know, sometimes driving up and down the highways, you see those red-winged blackbirds. Those are neat little guys. Just blackbird with a speck of red on them. There's these other cool yellow birds. I don't know what they are, but they're yellow. Uh, they're, they're pretty nice. And then again, like you go to South America, and the birds down there are insane. Um, I think, uh, I, I don't know, when God was creating the earth, I think um, if, if the earth was God's song, I think South America is like the solo. Like God went a little crazy on the, on the creation down there. Just some beautiful birds down there. Um, and then you go to fish. Um, I really enjoy fish. And um, on a couple occasions, I've had a couple nice fish tanks. Um, and this was my favorite fish. These are actually, you, you look at saltwater fish, very colorful, very bright. Um, uh, freshwater fish, not so much. Then you get more of the just drab greens and browns. But freshwater fish, uh, these are African cichlids. And um, this one down here is called... Uh, either like a lightning yellow cichlid or some, sometimes it's called a yellow lab because of the scientific name is like lab, blah, 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 and they just call it a yellow lab. And then this is a, 
electric blue, um, gorgeous fish, and they're, and they're freshwater. I, I find that amazing because freshwater, you don't see stuff like this. These guys are freshwater and uh, just gorgeous bright colors. You put those two in the same tank and man, that's cool. Um, get some cool backgrounds. And I'm just amazed at the, the, uh, the extent of God's gen generosity shown to us just through his creation. I mean, just for us to enjoy, just for us to say, wow, God, that is amazing. Um, uh, moving on, uh, there's, uh, you know, lots of plants and flowers. I'm not going to talk about flowers because I already talked about butterflies. <laughs> but um, we, were, uh, we were coming back from uh, Guttenberg, some of us guys who did our, our little annual halo thing. And uh, driving back, I was, it was probably about 7 o'clock in the morning, looked across the Mississippi River and the... the the, um, what do you call it, the bluff on the other side was just gorgeous. Fall colors had just hit like their fullest colors and it was just amazing to see all those trees over there in their fall colors. I remember um, not too long ago, Amy and I uh, flew to California. Her parents flew us out for a little vacation getaway and we went to the redwood forests. And I always heard about how cool they were, but when you're there and you see those redwood trees, they are amazing. I mean, they're stinking huge um, and just just like standing up against them and looking up and seeing how huge these were I mean it it, it was kind of unreal but um, to think that God gave us all that just to enjoy there's God's generosity just in his creation um, there's so many other ways God's uh, God gives us life and he gives us sustenance you know we all uh, have uh, somewhere apartment home that we're living in and any that I've visited have been pretty nice I think God's hooked us up with some nice homes and apartments um, you know God gives us our health um, and uh, you know it's amazing to think that out of as many people are as here that so few of us struggle with poor health and even the ones that do like uh, poor uh, Ludacris um, he uh, you know, God's using it in his life to do some amazing things. So even in the, even in the times we do struggle with health, God uses that. Um, then, um, you know, the whole area of food, I'm going to push forward, but, man, I had some good notes on food. Um, but uh, just amazing flavors out there. God could have made eating just this drab, monotonous activity, but out of his generosity, out of his kindness, he said, you know what, I'm going to make uh, some good flavors out there for you guys to enjoy and um, uh, enough said on that. Well, God provides us generously also with the relationships we need. Um, we're all here and alive and well, so that uh, testifies that we had uh, parents who were at least willing to uh, clothe and feed us and put a roof over our heads. Um, you know, I know some of us had uh, uh, more, more rough uh, childhood experiences growing up, but we had food to eat, we had places to live, he gives us families to nurture us and grow us up. Um, he gives us friends, and they, they, they could be believing friends, like here at church, that encourage us, that push us, that stretch us, that correct us, that hold us accountable. They could be unbelieving friends. Um, man, when, uh, when uh, Amy and I were in our courting phase at Emmaus, one thing that, that we were talking about at the coffee shop once was like, man, we... We're, we're at Emmaus so much. We really need to get out and purpose to meet um, some people who don't know the Lord and share the, the good news of salvation with them. So uh, we prayed about it, and man, it was like this deluge of, 
of unsaved friends at Gal's like, oh, you guys want some, you know, some people to share the good news with? Here, boom, 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 boom. There's tons of uh, unbelieving friends to the point where we were like, oh, I don't know what to do anymore. There's too many, Lord. But uh, God's helped us develop and cultivate those relationships in some neat ways. Um, and of course, most of all, God gives us our relationship with Him, which is just amazing that that God would allow us to have a relationship with Him and that He would provide the way for us to have a relationship with Him, seeing as we couldn't do that ourselves. Um, God, uh, God also provides us generously with spiritual blessings. And, uh, and here's, the, here's the big one. Um, Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And... Um, um, Brad, you, could you read your two verses, Psalm 139.18 and then James 1.5? Sure. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Reference to God's thoughts. God's thoughts. God's thoughts toward his people. Immense. Beyond what we can even imagine. God's, God's wisdom, he offers us freely, says, ask me for wisdom and I'll give it to you, liberally. Um, Micah, can you read your uh, couple verses? He gives us his Holy Spirit. Um, that's hugely generous. The Holy Spirit who helps uh, keep us in check and uh, helps us to work against our sin nature. Go ahead with the other one there, Micah. Uh, that was John 16, 7 through 8. God's grace is exceedingly abundant. He doesn't just give us enough grace to get us by. He pours out his grace on us abundantly. And I had some other guys lined up to share verses 2, but I'm just going to zip through Titus 3, 5, and 6. Um, he doesn't just give us his spirit. He pours his spirit out on us abundantly. 2 Corinthians 1, 5, he offers us consolation and comfort when we're in need. Philippians 4, 19, God supplies our needs according to his riches. Uh, John 14:27 God gives us genuine peace. Romans 5:20 Where sin abounded, grace abounded even more. John 10:10 10, 10, Abundant life God gives to us. Um, 2 Peter 1:11 Abundant entrance into heaven. 2 Corinthians 8:9 It's through Christ's poverty that we became rich. So many spiritual blessings. I mean, we could spend an entire afternoon sitting here and talking about God's spiritual blessings and his generosity um, shown to us through, uh, through God's spiritual blessings. Um, but ultimately, and most importantly, God showed us, uh, gave us spiritual blessing through the cross. And this is what's cool too. Um, God even uh, points out the extent of his own generosity. In Romans 8.32, I love this verse. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? God's generosity, it, it, it's, it's like it has no limits. God is ready 
to give us the best of what he has. Um, and I mean, I, there's, there's certain, I guess there's certain guidelines. I mean, if we're living lives that are pleasing to God, that are honoring to God, he, he wants to give us those things. Um, uh, 2 Corinthians 9.15, um, in closing, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift of uh, Christ's sacrifice at the cross. Well, what should our response be? If God's been so generous with us, um, and I hope we get the picture. Do you guys get the picture that God is generous? I mean, have we, you know, I could, we could spend more time on that. God's generous. God is immensely generous. Um, our response should be to give generously back to the Lord. Um, what are our resources for generous giving? <clears throat> well, we've got time. He gives us our lives and the time that we're alive. And um, <clears throat> kind of under that, I would list spiritual gifts, encouraging words, service, those types of things uh, that are specific ways that we use our time. And then, of course, he gives us money, uh, our financial income, or material possessions. That kind of falls under that category, too. So time and money, um, everything, it seems to me everything kind of fits under those two categories. <clears throat> um, what are our... Uh, our roots for generous giving. I can't think of a better word for that that started with R. I was trying to go with the R theme. So resources and roots. Roots for generous giving. Well, we, we certainly have OT passages on tithing. And I, this is not exhaustive by any means. I'm just trying to put something out there to get the ball rolling. Um, but one thing I do want to do real quick uh, when we're, as, as we're thinking about tithing is let's talk about the 10% misconception. Um, how many of you at some point or another have, have heard the idea that, well, God wants 10%. If we're given 10%, we're doing all right. Man, I, I, I've been there. Um, I, I think e- that even lingered in the back of my mind even as I was going through preparing this stuff. And sorry, guys, this morning I want to blow that out of the water. I, wanna, I want us to erase the slate on the whole 10% issue and, um, and consider a different way of giving. Consider a different attitude towards giving. Um, but for those of, of you who are like, no, Ethan, Old Testament, man, tithing, 10%. That's, you know, if you want to be a legalist about it. The Lord's tithe is talked about uh, as the first tithe the, the, the money, ten, or 10% of their, their, uh, their crops and their goods were going to go to support the priesthood, the Levitical priests, and make sure that they had what they needed. So there is the first tithe. The festival tithe. Um, on top of that, the Lord demanded another 10% be given every year towards um, religious festivals and after um, it, it was used for like religious celebration and I, I'm not going too in depth here because this is, I, I, I don't want to go, you know, explain each one in depth. I just want to point out 10% for the Lord's tithe, 10% for the festival tithe. On top of that, the poor tithe every third year. And um, to be honest with you, there's I, two different uh, commentators gave two different perspectives, but here's the bottom line. Either the poor tithe was every third year in place of the festival tithe those same goods were used to distribute to the poor and cover the needs of those who couldn't provide for themselves. Or it was on top of the festival tithe, and every third year they gave an additional 10% to help with the poor. Either way, you come out at either 20% or 23.3%. So we're at least at 
Um, first fruit offerings, those were the required ones, okay? On top of that, then we see that God made provision for first fruit offerings where people could take the, the best of uh, their, their livestock and their, their um, crops um, and their first fruits, the very first uh, and best of what they had, and offer it up to the Lord. And that was, uh, that was it, it, it wasn't something that was demanded, but it was something that God said, hey, if you want to give uh, your first fruits out of love for me, here's the way you can do it. And then on top of that, there were free will offerings, which again were um, um, when Moses, uh, when God asked Moses to collect from the people um, to build a tabernacle, um, he, God said, you know, basically, if anyone wants to contribute to this, spread the word around, and whoever wants to give, give. And um, we see later, I think it's in Exodus chapter 36, that <laughs> there came a point when Moses had to be like, okay, 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 that's enough. You know, they're giving so much to provide for that. Okay, so bottom line is, if you want to adhere to an Old Testament legalistic view on giving and, and stick with your tithing idea, you're giving at least 20%. Do you guys see where I'm, I'm getting that from? 20%. That, man, that, that kind of stings me a little bit when I think about 20%. Um, but uh, it was at least 20%. It could have been well up to 30%. You know, who knows? Um, so anyways... Let's flesh that idea, that false idea of 10% out of our minds. Um, but let's, let's replace it with an even better uh, perspective on giving. Um, some New Testament roots. Um, key passage is 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Um, and I'm not going to read the whole section. I'll read uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 6 real quick. Um, uh, here's, here's the deal. Um, Paul was talking to the Corinthian church about um, his collection for the Jews, and um, uh, he was t- telling them about how great a job the Macedonians were doing. Um, let's read it real quick. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Um, So we urged Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. Um, this passage continues uh, all the way to the end of uh, chapter 9. Um, and I would encourage you to read through the whole passage because it gives a really good perspective on giving and really um, solidifies um, some of the, the ideas that I want to present this morning. Um, but suffice it to say, Paul is encouraging the Corinthians um, who are doing a great job in so many other areas to step it up in their giving and to make sure that they're being faithful to give like they should give. And he was using the Macedonians as an example who apparently were not very well off financially but found out about the need that was there and they said, you know what, God's called me to give, I'm going to give. And, uh, and Paul commended that. First Timothy 6, 17 through 19 um, also. Let me read that real quick. 
Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Well, it seems clear here that God is uh, telling us that the key to living life to the fullest isn't in accruing wealth, it's in giving it away. So what's holding us back from doing that? Well, here's, uh, here's our reasons for not giving generously. And again, this isn't an exhaustive list, but I wanted to hit on some of the main hurdles that we keep stumbling over um, when it comes to uh, giving uh, to the Lord of our time and our money, of our resources. Um, first of all, just, just selfishness. And that comes naturally to all of us. I'm a selfish guy. I don't have to try to be selfish. Um, and thanks to our culture, on top of our own sin nature, we sometimes have this perverted view of stewardship when it comes to managing our time and our money. Um, our culture encourage, uh, encourages us to look out for number one and emphasizes the importance of spending our time and our money on ourselves. Um, even in commercials, you see, hey, buy this product because, after all, you deserve it. You deserve a break. Spend a little time on your own vacationing or whatever. You deserve it. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm saying that our culture pushes that, pushes that, pushes that. Um, spend your money. Spend your time on yourself. Um, you, you, know, you earn that paycheck. You spend it on yourself. Uh, well, God's Word teaches us just the opposite. Now, Philippians 2, 3, and 4, um, just as one example, says, Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Well, that, that thought comes head-to-head -head with what our culture is teaching us and what I think we sometimes adopt as our own uh, philosophy on giving. So how do we shift our thinking from the, the self-centered expenditures to, to a mindset of generosity? Um, should we just purpose to give more money away and spend more time serving the Lord? Is that going to solve the issue? No. Um, I think we should follow the example of the Macedonians that uh, Paul pointed out. He said they first gave themselves to the Lord. These guys were sold out for God. Um, their finances were yielded to the Lord because their lives were yielded to the Lord. And therefore they gave beyond their ability because their hearts were ready to give. Um, it doesn't even seem like it was a, a hurdle for them. They were so dedicated to the Lord. Um, as Paul says, they gave themselves first to the Lord that it just came naturally for them. Now, I don't know. Maybe there was a little struggle when they thought about giving because they, they had some pretty adverse circumstances. But um, ultimately, they were obedient to give. Um, um, one, uh, one author made this quote, and he says, God can have our money and not have our hearts, but he cannot have our hearts without having all our money. And um, that was kind of convicting to me to think about that, but I know it's true. Um, if God doesn't have Ethan, all of Ethan, if God, if God doesn't have complete devotion from me, um, I should, let me turn that around. If I'm completely devoted, if I'm considering my, myself a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, of course God has my pocketbook. Of course God has my checking account. 
it's no question, God, what, how do you want to use my income? How do you want to use our material goods to serve the body, to meet the needs of others? Um, and uh, if we can start shifting our attitude and changing our heart attitude towards giving, then when we encounter opportunities to give of our time or money with that heart that is genuinely yielded to the Lord, instead of asking ourselves, how much do I have to give to God? We're going to find ourselves starting to ask, well, how much can I give to God? And, and, and there's going to be that change of, uh, like the Macedonians, who are willing to give above and beyond their own ability to give. Um, now, I'm not setting myself as the example in this area. Andy and I have a long ways to go um, when it comes to learning how to give and change our heart attitudes or our heart attitude towards that. But I can say that um, in as far as we've been faithful to pursue that little by little, um, we have found God to be exceedingly faithful to meet our needs. Um, amazing, um, amazing ways, and I, both time and money, um, ways that God's provided for us uh, when we've been faithful to say, God, our time is yours. Um, show us who you want to meet with. Show us how you want to spend our time. Our money is yours. Who needs it? Um, how much more does the church need to continue the ministries that we're doing? Um, again, we're not perfect, but we're trying to get there. Um, another uh, another, uh, another uh, reason for not giving generously, generously is that we're distracted by the world. And um, uh, R. Kent Hughes in his book, Disciplines of a Godly Man, says this, and, and, and this, is, uh, this is pretty convicting as well. He says, most people, especially if they're Christians, do not aspire to be the head of the world's greatest monopoly or to the vulgar display of the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Instead, they are quite content to cultivate a less encumbering level of wealth, not realizing that the dangers for themselves are the same as for the super-rich, a growing delusion that this world is everything, that someday they will be content, that providing for one's family means being able to give them more and better, that relationships will be enriched by wealth, and that wealth will make them better people. Uh, he lists several uh, perspectives on that, and some of those hit home for me. And, but the point is, uh, wealth isn't going uh, to do anything for us. God gives us what he gives us to use for his glory. But um, you know, the, the perspective of the world that's telling us, build a huge bank account, um, you know, invest in these earthly things in homes and cars and bigger and better, Again, I'm not saying that we, you know, we shouldn't live in homes and we should all live in tents or something. I'm saying consider it before the Lord. Um, you know, pray about those things before you make investments in these material things. Say, well, Lord, I mean, what sort of a home do you want us to buy? Lord, we need a new car. Um, you know, how much should we invest in a car that, you know, as soon as we drive it off the lot, you know, it's, it's already dropping in value. Um, Here's uh, this verse uh, kind of drives home this point as well. Luke 8:14. Um, Christ was talking about uh, the, the he was he was telling the parable of the sower. Um, and in verse 14, he says, "The seed which fell among the thorns; these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to maturity." And guys, I know this sounds harsh, but I honestly believe that to some degree this describes us. Um, 
we're dealing with some huge thorns in our lives, namely riches and pleasures. We get so caught up in comfortable living and demanding, well, I need to live in comfort, and I need to have the things that I want. Um, I, need to, uh, I need to be uh, you know, saving up more money. Um, here's, um, here's a quote from uh, Beth Moore. Uh, my wife is doing a really cool um, Bible study that's uh, written by Beth Moore. And, uh, and uh, so actually, as I was sharing some of these thoughts with Amy, she pointed this out. This is a cool, um, a cool point. Beth Moore just points out from this verse, the hearers of the word who are distracted by the constant call of the world will never fulfill God's awesome plan for their lives. We get so distracted and we miss out on God's best. We're, we're content to, to um, you know, seek out these things that in the end, we're all going to die anyways. We can't take them with us. Why are we collecting them to begin with? Um, and as the book of James encourages us, then let's be diligent to prove ourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. And as we're reading through these scriptures, let's purpose to do these things. Um, I mean, from that verse, in other words, don't just think to yourself, yeah, I should try and give more. Do give more. Consider before the Lord how you can give more time and money to him. As Jedi Master Yoda says, do or do not. There is no try. Um, So this week, when you plan out your free time before and after work, who are you going to give priority Priority to God or your leisure activities? And when you budget out your spending these next couple months, guys, who are you going to give priority, God or your holiday shopping? That's up to us, and we, we need to encourage one another to, uh, to make the right choices there. Another thing that holds us back is an unwillingness to sacrifice. Um, where's Kyle? Kyle, brother, you like Mountain Dew? No? You don't? Seriously? Wow, but not crazy about it. But you know, guys, that would would take from you, right? Mount Lightning. Oh, hey, I hear you, bro. College budget. Here's the real stuff, bro. Can I offer you a case of Mountain Dew? This is yours to keep, man. That's all yours. Yeah. Well. Oh, what do you guys think? Is that, that's a pretty generous gesture of me, don't you think? I mean, this poor guy's been drinking Mountain Lightning. Walmart brand Mountain Dew. I'm giving him the real stuff. Is it generous? Tim, is that a generous gesture for me to give that to him? Why, why do you say kind of? Come on, man. Yep. So what are you saying? <laughs> you saying that I'm just giving him my leftovers? Well, you know what, guys? It's true. <laughs> and as as uh, as grateful as I I'm sure Kyle is, he can take that back. And uh, you know that case of Mountain Dew is going to make him the popular guy in the dorm hall for a couple days. Um, but, guys, it's not generous for me to give that to him. I'm just giving him my leftovers. That's all I'm doing. Um, and I know, you know, to you guys, it looks good. Ethan's giving him the Mountain Dew. But um, there's no generosity in that. Um, my, honestly, I just wanted to get rid of the thing. It's been sitting in the junior high, high school room. 
the fridge is packed full of Mountain Dew, and those guys do not need any more Mountain Dew. So I just want to get rid of this stuff as fast as I can. Um, well, it's easy for us to give when it's not a sacrifice or when it's acknowledged by others, and I get some credit for it. Um, well, well uh, Jesus uh, makes this point in, uh, in Mark chapter 12, 41 through 44, when he's talking about the widow's giving. Uh, let's see, 12, here we go. Uh, and he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury, for they all put in out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. And we, like those rich people, find it real easy to give out of our surplus. And I think a lot of times that's all we're doing. We're, we're giving out of our surplus, of our extra. And we say, you know what? I can live on this much. Here's, here's God's cut. Um, and honestly, sometimes, um, sometimes even when some of us guys uh, introduce the, off- the offering, uh, we, we mistakenly say, hey, uh, if you have a need, take, and if you have extra, give. Well, that's not, you know, we're not trying to mislead anybody. Uh, we're trying to be tactful and, and not come across like we're begging for money. But the truth is that we're not supposed to give out of our surplus, out of our extra. God wants our first fruits. And um, he wants their, God likes sacrificial giving. Um, it's an opportunity for us to say, you know what, God, you've given me so much. You've been so generous to me. Here's an opportunity for me to be generous with you. I'm going to give to the point that it pinches a little bit, that, uh, that it hurts. And Second um, Samuel 24, 24, um, David had this down. Um, he, uh, when David was uh, ready to build an altar to the Lord, um, and he was looking for a place, uh, he, met, uh, he met up with Arauna and, and uh, said, hey, I need a place to build an altar. Um, what can you do for me? And uh, Arauna said, let me make sure I'm reading the, I guess I don't have to read all of it. Um, but basically this guy Arauna offered him everything. He said, hey, I'll give you whatever you need. You can have the, um, you can have the, the threshing floor area. I'll give you the, the wood, the stuff to build the altar, the stuff to make the sacrifice. It's yours. And uh, King's David, uh, King David's response was, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, for I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. And uh, that thought offended David that, How could I offer something to God that doesn't cost me anything? That's not a sacrifice. And so he paid Arana for that uh, property. Um, I think um, some of us sometimes entertain the thought, well, if I had more, I'd give more. And the truth is, guys, if we're unwilling to sacrifice and we have little, we're going to be just as disinclined to give if and when we have more time and money. And, uh, and Jesus points that out in Luke 16:10. Um, in this simple verse, he who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Um, going back to that example of the Macedonians, 
Uh, Paul says, For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. Um, that was chapter 8, verse 3. Um, and that's the example we need to follow, um, is giving according to and maybe even beyond our ability to give, sacrificial giving. And if we can develop the habit of giving generously when we're scraping by, it's going to be much easier to practice generosity when the Lord is pleased to bless us with more. Um, I'm going to try to fly, guys. Failure to plan ahead. This is another big one. When we don't plan ahead to do something, we usually aren't able to give it our best effort. I remember uh, I, was at, uh, I lived in Georgia for a while. I was at a church there. My buddy um, came to me one time, and we were supposed to speak on Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday night. Mine was like at least a month down the road. Now, I don't like... It, it, even just getting up here, it's taken me some stretching to get comfortable with, with uh, public speaking. <clears throat> but um, you can imagine, just out of college, man, that was not my uh, favorite thing to do. And he said, hey, dude, will you switch with me? i got to do something this other night. And it was like the next Wednesday night. And I was like, oh, I don't know, man. That's uh, one week. And, um, and basically, he kind of forced me into switching with him. So I was like, man, that guy, I don't believe it. Oh. Well, so I didn't have time to prepare. I didn't plan ahead for that. I was planning ahead to do it like a month in advance. But uh, so I pulled out this Philemon paper that I did at college and tried to throw something together real quick and got up there and scuffled around for 30 minutes. And just I was like, man, that was awful. That was just it wasn't my best effort. And unfortunately, this happens all too often when it comes to giving for us. Instead of planning to give God our first fruits, we end up scraping together our leftovers. Now, Theron and Joyce Young are my folks. They were gracious enough to raise me um, for the better 18 years of my life. Um, they fed me, put a roof over my head. Um, and let's say they even decide to, uh, this Christmas, buy Amy and I a nice large home to live in. <laughs> and um, and, uh, and they, they really grasp this idea of sacrificial giving. No, I'm just kidding. But, but let's say they do that, and, they, and then they say, hey, let's stock your fridge full of stuff. Hey, let's buy new furniture for you. And they just go crazy with generosity towards us. And, um, and then we say, hey, why don't you guys come over for uh, dinner uh, Tuesday night? So they come over, and they get there, <laughs> and we, uh, we're like, well, okay, oh, we didn't really plan for this, but here, let's see what's in the fridge. Oh, hey, Mom, here's half a hot dog that was left over from my lunch yesterday, and um, Dad, here's... I'm not sure what this is. It might have been chilly. I don't know, but I'll heat it up for you. And, well, you know, that would be so offensive to do that to them. Um, I mean, the thought of doing that is just ridiculous. And yet, um, do you guys think that sometimes that's what we're doing for the Lord is we we scrape together what we have left at the end of the day and we say, oh, yeah, I already spent my time and money on these things. Here, God, here's what you get. Um, Oh, offering plates coming around. Let me see. Yeah, I got some leftovers there. Um, oh, I think I got 30 minutes free this week that I can uh, do some Christian service. That's the wrong attitude that we're having towards giving. Um, I mean, this is our Heavenly Father who's willing to do exceedingly beyond all that we can ask or think. And He, de- he desires our best and He deserves our best. Um, back to the idea of first fruits. Remember we talked about the first fruits offering? Um, uh, R. Kent Hughes had this uh, neat quote about that. He says, The beautiful thing about an Israelite bringing his first fruits was that he did so when he had not yet harvested the rest of the crop, 
and did not know what he would ultimately reap. He gave the best to God, trusting he would bring in the rest. It was faith-giving and was totally voluntary. Um, And when we plan ahead, we can ensure that God receives our first fruits. Um, um, I'm going (coughs) to stop there on that one. And then a lack of eternal perspective. And, And this is probably what it ultimately all boils down to. We just have a lack of an eternal perspective. Our, our eyes and our minds and our hearts are so focused on this world, and we've got to change that. This is not where we belong, guys. This is not our home. Um, and, and, I mean, God's given us a certain amount of years to live on this earth, and granted, I have a, weird, I have a hard time just trying to imagine what eternity is even going to be like, what glory is going to be like. It, it, it wigs me out sometimes, as they say. I just, what, what is heaven even going to be like? What, is it, what am I going to do for eternity? It's hard for me sometimes to set my mind there. And yet, knowing that, uh, knowing that that's where God wants me to set my mind, um, you know, and sometimes I'm reminded, it's, you know, it's as if God's saying, Ethan, just please trust me. Give this stuff up. Don't hold on to this stuff. And, and just trust me that when I say I'm preparing a place for you, it is going to be awesome. Um, when, I was in, when I was in college, you know, I was there for four years, so I, I bought some old furniture and got lots of hand-me-down stuff. And I, honestly, I didn't spend that much because it was just it was going to get destroyed by all the guys that came to visit my dorm room anyways. But um, I had a good amount of stuff. I had couches microwave, coffee maker, espresso machine, um, dorm fridge, TV, Nintendo 64. I mean, man, I had it made. But here's the deal. Um, After my senior year, I moved to Georgia and ended up selling or giving away all that stuff because I couldn't take it with me. Um, And uh, and knowing that, I didn't even bother to spend a lot of money on that stuff. I was like, ah, you know, this couch has like really weird flowery designs and it it looks like uh, somebody vomited it out of the 70s, but I'll, uh, oh, it's 50 bucks. That's not a lot of money. Um, I knew I was going to give it away, so I, I didn't invest a lot in that. Well, Matthew 6:19 and 24, um, we're reminded of that same thing. Um, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moss nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Skipping down a couple verses. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And those last words aren't mine. That's straight from... Matthew 6:24 You cannot serve God and wealth. And sometimes guys, I confess, I get I delude myself into thinking that somehow I can I can serve God wholeheartedly, but I'm also going to enjoy these comforts and pleasures on the side and um guys, it doesn't work that way. Let's give ourselves wholly over to the Lord. Um here's let me share these uh lyrics with you and then uh, maybe we'll wrap it up there. Um this is uh, one of my favorite bands, probably at least my favorite Christian band is Tourniquet. They're like uh, 80s metal, and then they've sort of gone through some different styles since then. But their lyrics are awesome, I and mean, they're straight from Scripture, just amazing lyrics. And um, here's their from their song, Where Moth and Rust Destroy. 
Uh, the world is quick to tell us, the media compels us, for me to have and you to not is the difference in our lot. If you must compound your joy, then you must acquire this toy. Just remember, a kiss is just a kiss, a smile is just a smile. The things you own will not atone or spare you from the life you've sown. The chorus says, where moth and rust destroy a land of tears and sadness, when those who put their faith in things find out it's only madness. In the second verse, enjoy all that he gives you, but make sure you can see through the haze that blocks the clarity of seeing the eternity of things that last and things that don't, of choices we should make but won't. If you will just incline your ear, there is something you must hear. Heed his words and you'll be free from loving things more than me where moth and rust destroy. We must choose who we are going to serve. And actually, they have a cool bridge in the song that's like really chunky. It's like, you must choose who you serve. Every time I'm listening, I'm like, yeah, I got to choose who I serve. Yeah. Um, gets me real pumped up. Well, our rewards for generous giving, I'm not going to go into detail. But here are some of the rewards. Um, if you want scriptural references, um, I would be more than happy to share those with you. Um, God is pleased when we give generously. Uh, we enjoy the blessing of knowing we've honored God and contributed to his work. Just the simple blessing of knowing I've done the right thing. I've done what God has asked me to do. It uh, helps us uh, develop a greater dependence on God. Um, as we move our trust and, and interest in these things to a trust and interest in God. Um, God promises a bountiful return when we give generously. And he doesn't necessarily mean uh, materially, but oftentimes it can be spiritually, uh, physically, emotionally. I mean, God can bless us in many, many ways. Um, he promises um, that, uh, and this is in that passage in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, that he'll give us an increased means to give. As we give generously, he's not going to leave us hanging and say, Oh, Ethan, you gave it all. Sorry, bud. No, he's going to keep giving me more as I'm faithful to use that as God wants me to. An attitude of gratitude for what he's given us. It helps us just be thankful for what we have instead of wanting more and trying to get more and, and using my time for myself. And, um, and ultimately, it gives us a greater eternal perspective and a greater eternal return. Just as those verses in Matthew say, if we can stop investing all this time and energy and money in stuff here on earth and can start having that eternal perspective and putting our time and our money in those things, guys, when we get to heaven, I think it's going to blow us away when God says, here's what you are working towards. I think it's going to just... You know, we're going to be astounded at how generous God is even then. Let's work towards doing that. Um, I'll pray real quick. And Pobs, um, you get the leftovers of my time, buddy. Sorry, I'm, already, I'm off to a bad start already, man. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what your word teaches us about generosity. Father, help us to be generous givers. We struggle so desperately in this area. And our culture, our sin nature, everything is working against us, Father. It, um, we want to spend our time on ourselves, on our own pleasures and pursuits. We want to spend our money on our own pleasures and pursuits, Father. And help us to get out of that rut and to start uh, purposing to invest those things wholly in you, knowing that you will be faithful to keep your promises and that uh, we'll find pleasure just in the giving 
but uh, we'll find pleasure when we're in eternity, Father, uh, uh, knowing, uh, knowing then what we've uh, accumulated for eternity, Father. We ask these things and we ask for your help in your Son's name. Amen.